Let's do some podcast shit. Sure. That glass doesn't look very clean from here. Um, well, it's got it's got that funny soap film from like dishwashery things. It's also possible this isn't my first glass. Mm. Dishwashers aren't supposed to do that. It's an old I dishwasher. Guess, guess you're probably on well water up there too, right? Nope. Town water. No. Hmm. Town uh well water is actually cleaner than town water. It's kind of funny. Depends on the well. <laughs> I, well, we're it's all sand up here. So yeah. uh, at our our last house, our our well was, I don't know, ten feet from what they called a septic tank, which was actually just a hole in the ground with some boards on top, and the water was tested literally better than town water. Yeah, without the chlorine, so it's okay. So what are you drinking tonight? Ooh, what am I drinking? Uh, Cabana Coast. It is a vodka, ginger, lime, original mule. Yes. Mules are good. I have Smoking Loon Cabernet Sauvignon. I'm, uh, I'm going high class tonight. But, uh, I mean, it is also Chateau Screw Top, so. I don't know. It's good. It's good. It's good wine. Well, so what's, I, what, what's I, new, I think it's good wine. Um, not a ton. Um, I, I nearly had a, a fight with a good friend over some world building shit uh, last week. <laughs> as we discovered that our creative processes are completely and utterly different. Well, uh, do we want to get right into that? Well, I think I should probably talk about deep frying a turkey first. You absolutely should. So we deep fried a turkey. Uh, it's not our first turkey. I actually have two deep fryers because typically when we deep fry a turkey we have one for turkey and one for french fries and various other things that were like hey i wonder what this is like deep fried mm -hmm. um this time it was just the turkey uh we did a turkey and then a, a few fries after um, like a big outdoor fryer kind of thing yep i set it up in the garage uh don't try this at home it's uh, it's, it's the wrong way to do it it's not safe you, you might burn your house down um, and I only almost burnt my house down. Uh, I lost my grip on the fries as I was dipping them and they were just a little bit too wet. So I had a, a little bit of spillage over the sides. Uh, not, uh, not YouTube worthy, not, not like an explosion of, of foam coming over the top, just a few little dribbles. And I, you know, I was like, Oh, it's coming over the side. Turn off the, the propane, wait for it to settle down. All right. Light it up again. No big deal. I'm going to um, deep fried Turkey in like 20 years, maybe 25. It, wow. It's been a long time. We didn't even try it until five or six years ago. And they're, I mean, it's delicious. It's it is great. one of the best ways to do turkey. And you can make some fantastic gravy with the leftover turkey bits. That works out really well. The secret, though, is that you need to deep fry things in tallow. I didn't get enough turkey this year. What? Well, it, it was funny the way it worked out. Um, we were up at the in-laws. And Tanya and I bought the the turkey this year because they normally go with like a, a utility turkey, like they they, which is fine. Like you you, you do it right. Like I'll go utility uh, utility turkey all day if I'm like brining it and and yeah maybe spatchcocking it or whatever. But um, you know they're pretty old school. It's you know <laughs> in the oven in the oven stuffed for like 
you know, five hours and then like immediately out of the oven without resting, they're starting to carve it. So uh, at least I thought maybe we can get a little bit better turkey and it might might turn out pretty, pretty decent. And it did. They ended up doing an entire second turkey because they wanted everybody to have leftovers. And Tanya's sisters were there with spouses and, and kids, uh, but the second turkey barely got touched. And we were like, yeah, we'll get some leftovers. Uh, Tanya packed some up. I love, I love you, Tanya. Left them but, in the fridge. No, 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 she did. She just, she grabbed enough for about two and a half sandwiches. Oh, that's not enough. No, which I know she was, she was trying to share, but I was thinking about trying to get out this week to find some turkey on sale. Yeah, uh, should have, should exist, right? Yeah. For the, the non-Canadians, uh, it, it was Canadian Thanksgiving this past weekend, or real Thanksgiving. Well, yeah. I mean, we do it first, so obviously we're right. But I, here's the thing, right? Like, it, honestly, if you're listening to this anywhere in the world where you either don't celebrate Thanksgiving or you're an American and you want to celebrate in, what, like three weeks or something? Do both. Dude, deep fry two turkeys. Why, be, why limit yourself to one Thanksgiving? Do both. Well, I know in the U.S. they celebrate Columbus Day generally on the same weekend. Yeah, I think um, so. Is there Columbus Day food? Like, do they do? I don't know. It's a long weekend. Something? I don't know. Let us know in the comments. Yeah. I'm interested. Maybe they do, maybe they do like, uh, like cheeseburgers and fries and celebrate like Columbo Day. That's a, that's a holiday I could get behind. I've gathered you all here today to, to you know, uh, <laughs> something cheeseburger and fries. I don't know. Solve the mystery. The butler did it. <laughs> <sighs> anything special on the weekend besides? Nope. Didn't go anywhere. Didn't do anything. Oh, we spent the week trying to figure out how to get a blood test in, out of my cat. Uh, my cat, Kevin. Uh, is the most nervous feline on the face of the planet. It's funny because he'll act tough until he has to like walk through a door or go somewhere or like come near a stranger. And then suddenly he's like the very image of a scaredy cat. Well, Cindy took him to the vet and he freaked out. Like, you know, those videos you see on, on, on the internet of like, here's a cat freaking out and here's like a 400 pound muscle dude. Who's like, I can't handle this cat. Mm -hmm. Well, he did, he pulled one of those uh, and he was fine. Literally uh, on the floor in the room. As soon as they picked him up and put him on the table, it was like, Nope, not having this. So she brought him home, uh, with some kitty Valium. Uh, and it was strong enough that he was literally having trouble walking. Like he was literally like, stumbling from side to side she took him back freaked out again so she brought him home with some even stronger stuff uh so she put that into him yesterday morning they got the blood out of him because he needs to have some dental surgery he's got a couple of rotten teeth they need to pull um <laughs> but this was yesterday morning and just about now he's almost recovered from the uh you call him it's like out of van or or valium mm -hmm. or whatever and he was just like for the longest time he was just he was laying down like and he should have just been trying to sleep it off and he was just like 
just staring into space. It's like, dude, just put your head down and go to sleep. Nope. Too much work. <laughs> we have a, a similar problem with our dog, uh, Plot Hound. She is... Aggressive isn't the right word because she's a sweetheart. But there's just some things you just can't do. And she will literally bite your arm off if you try. You know, she's not vicious. Like, she, she would never go out of her way unless she felt personally threatened to, to bite or snap at you. But one of those things is clipping her nails. Oh. Just can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. So it's in, like, the vet's offering, yeah, you know, we can do it when you bring her in. And we're like, ha, good luck with that. And they try, and, you know, she, she almost assaults them. And then it was, well, we're going to have to give her some shots, so... Uh, we'll have to sedate her. Okay, well, how's that going to work? Well, you bring her in, we'll give her a shot. You know, <laughs> you want to give her a shot to give her a shot. Uh, they couldn't get that done. So then it was the, ooh, here's a meatball thing that she can have when she comes in. That'll nope. settle her down and we can do it. No. Nope. <laughs> then it's like, here's this like industrial strength horse tranquilizer sedative that you can yep. feed your dog uh, before bringing her in. And nope. Yeah. Like she like she should not have been conscious, never mind have the ability to like Tasmanian devil. So it's it's a chore. Like I try and get her out and walk her and, and get her on some rough train just to wear the claws down. My next step is building a like a hammock with holes in it that I can just like get her into it. Cause we can get her into a harness to walk her. And just yoink so that she's basically in a tube that's kind of got her wrapped up like a taco that yep. I can then just hang off a hook. And it's big enough that she just she can't get her head down and her feet are going to be dangling. I'll probably only be able to do it once, but that's basically the next step. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, aren't pets she, wonderful? She is a special sausage. And she's she's not a huge dog. Like, she's a medium-sized dog, but she's a plot hound, which... Imagine a pit bull, longer snoot, but if you just took like four inches out of the middle of the pit bull, like <laughs> literally slice it lengthwise a couple of times, take the middle section out and put it back together. She doesn't have the <laughs> wide head of a pit bull, but all the musculature, like she has a, a, a sack of loose skin muscles and teeth. Lots of fun to try and handle then, I'm sure. Oh, she is. She's a horse. And not, like I say, not not big in stature, but when she wants to go somewhere or do something, you just, you follow, right? <laughs> you, <laughs> you don't have a choice. Keep up. Uh, all right. So I guess we, we need to, to talk about... Um, Our the, friendship uh, almost ended? Yeah. The nerd fight that was actually a fight. Before I turn you loose on this, I just want to clarify from my perspective. Frustration, maybe, but it wasn't a fight. Like, no, at no point agreed. was I, 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 I like, fucking guy. He's being a complete dick. It's just. It's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So, so for context, if you haven't listened to two episodes ago. Uh, Telson is building a, like a tabletop uh, game campaign setting. 
and he asked me to help. You know, very, very early stages of development. So it's like, help me with some seed stuff. And you would think the two of us, we've been friends for 20. Yeah, 20 some. 20, 24 years now, basically. Give or take, yeah. Very similar common interests, generally similar hobbies. I would go so far as to say similar minds, similar intellects. Yeah. You would have thought this would have been easy. I'm not sure about easy, but I certainly wasn't expecting as much. Um, it, it's a little bit like uh, like billiard balls caroming off of each other as it's like, we should be going in the same direction. Why are we not going in the same direction? Why are you going over there? Right. And I think, uh, honestly, it's just it just comes down to like communication. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mentioned, too, that I, I wanted to uh, like there's a couple of things that I think I communicated really poorly uh at the beginning um because really what i was looking for honest to goodness was just like a couple of random thoughts to give me something to grow stuff out of i do still see that uh there's there's some possibility of us developing different parts of the world uh you know like imagine for example that i was doing the sword coast and you were doing i don't know uh whatever the hell is the way south of well, I, I, I think we eventually kind of met in the middle a little bit here. Like, I, I you think know, so. After, after communication kind of happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, we met each other in the middle. It, it worked. Um, what became evident, though, to me immediately is just how drastically different oh. your, your approach to this is. Oh, it's like when I when I think different. of yeah, like when I think of world building, I don't think of throwing throwing darts to see what sticks, right? Just random darts, like different colors from different sets that that have nothing to do with each other. And oh, wait, there's a paper airplane. Oh, that one's stuck too. Um, and from my perspective, that very much seemed to be what you were asking me to do. Like, it, yeah, don't worry about anything that fits. Just throw ideas at me at me and it was like well what am i just rubbing words together then and yes. really that's what it felt like and i i don't function that way it's it's uh, and that became apparent really rapidly this is this actually this is a funny thing because this is this causes me issues at work too because i what i do is like design things i design like tools and, and various mm -hmm. things like that and there are two generally accepted ways of doing things in like 3d modeling design type stuff um, there's from the top down where you start with like a general concept of what it is. And then you say, all right, what parts do I need? And then you start designing those parts. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the other one, which is what parts do I have? All right, how am I going to put those together? And you start with all of your parts and then you assemble them like Lego. Um, I start from the middle out and then I start attacking it from random directions whenever I get stuck. Um, and it's a very effective way for me to do it. Mm -hmm. But it is absolute, an absolute nightmare for anyone to try and follow me or to try and help me. Um, and that's that's kind of where we're at here as well. Um, one of the things that I noticed about the way that you were approaching it, it was very much a, uh, like, I need to gather all of the inputs to figure out what the world looks like, right? Or at least that's what it, it felt like to me. Yeah. Um, and, and again, we're we're communicating just chat messages on Discord. So like... There's a whole lot of 
reading between the lines and 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 sort of misinterpretation i'm sure that's happening oh yeah like but my approach is is sort of an organic kind of like you know you're asking for seeds but the seeds got to come from a seed you know so what is the seed of this world that these seeds are going to grow in so that i can make i don't i don't need to flesh out a lot of detail but just to me if i'm world building the world needs to kind of form from from common connection right like it's it's a spider web yeah. in some cases. Like yours, yours is very much the the primordial, like literal world building. Yeah, where it's like random pieces of of space and debris and asteroids and miscellaneous and like a protoplanetary disk orbiting a young star mashing <laughs> together. But instead Sometimes of you know, like there's a level of differentiation in materials and stuff that happens in a protoplanetary disk. But you're like fuck differentiation. Nope. Like, like literally, it would be like being in a sensory deprivation chamber. And then like every time an image or idea popped into your head, write it down, throw it away and start fresh. And then something <laughs> else happens. And, and, and again, I want to be clear to everybody here because I'm trying not to be a dick about this because there's nothing to be a dick about. Nope. There's no right or wrong way to do this. I'm just, to me, it was the, the experience of finding out that, like, we have such different approaches oh, to ultimately it, get to the same place. Because it's funny, like, we, we both do this stuff. We've, we've both run yeah. games. We've both imagined worlds in our head. And often, that finish line for that stuff is very similar. We'll land in a very similar place eventually. But the route to getting there was just so drastically different oh, it's massively different uh, one of the things that i that i kind of wanted to point out or at least vocalize because it it seems like this is one of those things where when you do something especially if you're good at it it seems so incredibly obvious that it's really really hard to explain how you do it mm -hmm. um and one of the things like the way that i approach this more than anything and i probably should have said this up front is that there's, there's two things that I really want to cover here. The one is, is that what I'm looking at or what I want, how I want to create is what do the characters that I'm envisioning starting this thing see? Mm -hmm. I don't care why I don't, I don't care. Um, like just because there's only, like, there's only so much room, unfortunately, you know, like there's only so much space in my head and I can't, I can't hold on to all of the stuff. I made a comment, uh, at some point, I think it was on discord that I was really impressed with your memory. Because I don't like I don't retain stuff. Uh, I have thoughts. If I don't write them down, they're gone. Uh, sometimes they come back when someone reminds me. One of the things that I found really valuable, actually, about our uh, original discussion about this was some of the questions that you asked um, basically forced me to make decisions about stuff, uh, and that was really valuable. Because a lot of times it's like I don't like I don't think about trade. I don't think about I don't think about currency like I just that's just it just exists it's there right mm -hmm. um, but it is one of the things that that needs to be actually uh, discussed written down solidified at least a little bit um, the other thing that I, I wanted to say is that uh, sort of one of my major motivating factors for how this world setting whatever popped into my brain was in tabletop RPGs, what do you do? And you have social interactions. Mm -hmm. um, you do exploration. 
and you go into dungeons and punch monsters and take their stuff. Mm -hmm. Standard uh, pillars. Standard pillars. And I'm like, okay, right. But like, how many dungeons do you know about? Like, if, if you had to go out and go adventuring in dungeons right now, how far would you have to walk before you found one? Right. And they just like, it's not a really common thing to happen. So it's like, okay, so what's the excuse for why all these things exist? Mm -hmm. um, and I came up with, with a, a sort of a, you know, hey, there's all of these collapsed civilizations and there, there used to be really huge cities and things and stuff all over the place and it's not there anymore. But there's these ruins that have now become dungeons and that's the excuse for them. Uh, one of the things we talked about as well, sorry, these, as things pop into my head, I basically have to say them or I'll forget them. Uh, one of the things that we talked about was that it very much seems like there's a sort of, uh, control or, or, uh, like big brother type of thing controlling everything. Um, and I think that I've sort of waffled on that a little bit because that was sort of in the back of my brain that, yeah, it was like ring world or, um, uh, uh, there was another one that was big like that, but basically the the Truman Show. Now, for um, some for some context, because this really came out in the answers I was getting to some of the questions that I was asking after we recorded last time. Once I finally pried some detail out of you, where you're just like, <laughs> "Fine, I'm going to write some stuff down and share it," and I'm looking at it and I'm like, "This is all fantastic. I wish wish you'd have told this two days ago, right?" I didn't I know it two days ago. I literally <laughs> made it up as I was writing it down. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but you started saying things like before uh, you mentioned that there was, you know, ruins built on top of ruins. So there was this implication that there'd been previous civilizations and we'd sort of established that there was a one particular significant, at least technological civilization, civilization in the past. And the initial connection that I made was that if there's influence and stuff maybe happening to this civilization, it, it was the result of what that civilization had done. But the details that I'd received from you just, you know, in the past few days led me to believe that, well, no, they were just a part of this cycle that's happening here of like civilizational development and extinction that maybe just progressed further than most of the other ones. But they're probably gone for the for the same reasons. Cause you you talked about things like population centers would hit a certain population you picked an arbitrary number like 500 and then a plague would come and kill them off right. like it was just very obvious things that came across as oh these are controls these people are living yes. inside of a science experiment yeah the science experiment periodically resets itself yep and that was sort of a like a light bulb for me that oh this other civilization that you've been talking about was they weren't the creators either. They lived in this same system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the, I, I, like I say, I, I waffled on that idea a little bit because on the one hand, like, yeah, okay. But uh, at the same time, I do want a little bit more. <sighs> one of the things I want to get a, a away from kind of, and it, more to challenge myself than anything else is, is the idea that, you know, the gods walk the earth. Right. I, I want that to be very much a nobody knows. Uh, so rather than uh, that kind of reset mechanic uh, instead, because I've talked about how, you know, like random magical events happen um, and, you know, monsters basically pop out of like gates or, or whatever. 
you know, kaiju style uh, Stargate type thing. Only the gates don't exist until boop, a gate popped into existence. And hey, now there's monsters coming through it. Um, is that in that if you think about how sort of uh, waves propagate in a pond, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine that whatever these forces are that are causing these things to happen are like waves, but they're like standing waves. And in some places, there are little pockets of calm. Mm-hmm. right where that stuff doesn't happen you know and our starting location bridgetown exists in one of those uh and the ruins of the town just across the river used to be bridgetown and then the standing wave that caused that safe spot moved right and that that's kind of the ongoing mechanic that causes the well you know this is this is how many people we can support in the you know, safe spaces that we've got. And then eventually like half of us will be wiped out again in 10 years or whatever it is, you know, and it's all completely and utterly random or maybe not TBD in the future (laughs) at some point, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, very, very different. Cause there was a lot of, a lot of details that you were sort of rising out. Like what does trade look like? You know, like, where are these people? What what kind of travel do they do? What's their technology level? How many languages do they speak? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And 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 I guess maybe the way I was wording those questions sound like I was asking a lot of detail. Where like I'm looking for the basic things. Like, does money exist? Yes or no? Yeah, you kinda. know. Because you were asking, <laughs> you were you were asking me questions or looking for me to do things like establish folklore, you know these these stories of myth, not necessarily mythical, but you know heroes from the past, your Paul Bunyan's, your stuff like that. Yeah. And my way of approaching that and how I think about it is, well, these things, the, these stories that people create are natural extensions of the things they either value or fear. Yeah. So I'm trying to get a feel for what is a person in this world value or fear. What is their basic shit their day-to-day stuff like yep. you know do they do they have machines or are they walking with horses do they have do they talk to neighboring communities or do they not you know what those sorts of things because that will inform the stories that they tell and the, the the fictions that they create for themselves right it's it's a funny kind of a thing because it very much works out to be almost like the chicken and the egg Right. Mm-hmm. Like which came first? Because they're both they're both absolutely required. Because you're right. Like all of the questions that you're asking are, are questions that need to be answered. Um, I would like to say though that it's kind of funny because the very beginning of that episode, you're like, Oh, I'm coming into this cold. Like this is a complete surprise to me. And I'm like, Man, I don't have that much more preparation than you do. <laughs> Cause I had this literally was like one morning I woke up and I was lying in bed just trying to convince myself to get up. And I thought huh, I wonder if, like, this would be a cool place to start an adventure. And that's that's more or less as much preparation as I had in everything else. Like, everything I told you during that that episode was more or less improv. And the, the, whole, the whole thing was more collaborative than we thought. I Yeah, <laughs> it really was. And, and, like, the nuggets that you wrote down, like, what I, what I was kind of looking for was more uh, a series of even just names. Right. Like I'm looking for like Darmok and Jalada Tanagra. I don't I don't I don't know what that means. 
just I literally just need some words to rub together so that I can start a fire in my brain and, and create something out of that. Um, but it, it seems like uh, really what 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 we probably how we should probably approach this is that you lay the groundwork and I come in with the crazy shit that goes on top and maybe slides off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I, I'm like I'm happy with where we got to. I really am. So. So I have some more questions for you. I promise this isn't going to start a fight. I'm I'm curious now. I I would like to I would I would like to come back with a clarification that I never thought we were fighting either. No there no was no little, no. But it was, there was, it a, was little, a little bit of friction, is all it was, and it was, <laughs> it was like, evident. We were like it was, it was like we were speaking two different languages for a while yeah. and having a hard time understanding each other. And and the more we specific we got with what we were saying, like the stronger our accents got or something. So it was just harder to understand each other. It was comical oh looking back on it. Oh yeah. Like we were talking past each other so hard. It was just hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's like, all good. It's, it would be like playing pool and, and actually like missing the, uh, missing the rail. It's like the, you know, like I, I tried to, to break the, I tried to do the break and actually just jump the ball right off the table. And you were like, I don't. I don't know how to play this game. This is. This is. This is not the game. I'm playing bumper pool. Like I'm playing bumper pool in the next room, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, and and not only that, but then when you start asking questions, it turns out I've been bowling the whole time. (laughs) But it 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 really does make me think about. Like I've taken for granted creative collaboration at this level, and and like I'm in a in a fairly creative industry. And and I have to collaborate with everybody around me, but very rarely are we collaborating specifically on the same things. Like, you know, the, the stuff that we work on gets broken down into chunks and this is your chunk, this is my chunk. They have to fit together. So there has to be a plan. But when you're talking about things like world building, you're talking about like actual creation, not just creativity. Yeah. And like I say, I was pretty, pretty surprised that we were, were, were so we were completely different wavelengths on, on how this happened. And I, and I think we could still make something work. Like I'm not, not bailing yeah. here. I just, I found this first half week or so. It was a little an interesting and eye opening experience. Yeah. I mean, what's, well, it's like, like any relationship you have to figure out like what, what is the language you're communicating in? Yeah. But it does make me really appreciate those that do collaborate at this level of creation. Like I think people that write books, like some, oh my, especially when you're world, yeah, where you're 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 not just you know writing an autobiography or, or whatever. You're not ghost writing shit. Like you're creating worlds There's in no your facts. head. You're making it up. You're yeah. starting with a blank slate, like what we've been trying to do. And they get, you know, to the point where they're, they're on the same page about everything. And I'm sure there's lots of disagreements and stuff that happens. But at the end of the day, they, they create so much that's cohesive. And like initially, I would have thought, oh, well, you know, similar people, similar interests. They should be able to figure it out pretty easily. It's like half the work because there's two of them. And the reality is, is I wonder if it's more work for both of them because there's two involved. I think so, but I've, I have this theory and it's, it's, I mean, it's a very, I wouldn't even call it a theory. It's not even a hypothesis. It's more of a wild ass guess, 
I think that, especially in creative endeavors, disagreement actually makes for a stronger final result. Oh, I, I completely agree. You know, and the only only analog I really have for this is like growing up as a teenager, like I played in bands, right? And we would try and write some of our own music. This is a long, long, long time ago. So don't worry, this bard thing's probably going to go very, very badly for me. But, you know, having multiple people trying to contribute to writing a song versus somebody writing it and telling everybody else in the band, okay, this is what you're playing. Yeah. It's tough. It's really, really difficult. I've had that experience like briefly one time and I realized I don't really want to do this. I don't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and some of that for, for me, at least in the music area comes down to, to talent. Like I'm just, oh, I'm yeah, just yeah. Not, not good enough to, to sit down with somebody and go, Oh, okay, you're doing that. I'll do this. It's like, I gotta, I gotta spend a whole lot of time figuring out my bit. I can't, I can't do that around your bit. So Anyway, yeah, I do think that that we can probably make something work out of this. I I don't know if it'll be, you know, I, I think that it will be less painful going forward. Oh, for sure, and and <laughs> certainly the once we've established more and more of a foundation, like that yeah. makes things easier for me. Yeah, like it's it's this blank slate ish stage that I think is probably the most trying. So yeah. back to my questions then. Shoot, you're talking about starting up a. a our group running yep. some stuff in November. I am. Is it your intention to, to run something in this setting? Absolutely. Uh, I think one of the things that will come out of that is that it will, it will through the actions of the players, flush out mm -hmm. the world a little bit. I'm hoping to start an in-person group uh, sort of around the same time in the same setting, starting from the same place, similar to what you did with, uh, with us in your Tuesday group. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that having sort of two groups of people going through it and probably approaching things differently um, will flush out a few things and then there can be some, some cross-pollination. Okay. So based on what you know now, because you're, again, sort of focused on the what do the players see when the game starts, what would your session zero look like? And what would you like to come out of your session one? Give me just one second here, and I will, because I actually wrote something down the other day, which is a like a major step for me in any one of these things. Uh, session zero. Uh, okay, so the, the opening blurb is, the world is a strange and unwelcoming place. Strange ruins protrude from the ground, remnants of long forgotten civilizations. Some look as though they fell from the sky, some are crumbling, and some look as though they have never aged at all. The architecture is strange and unfamiliar, and some of the structures hum with a faint and disturbing sound, or glow with a strange light at odd times. But there are a few places that provide welcome respite from the cold strangeness of the world. Bridgetown is such a place. You grew up here, and it's familiar. It's home. Uh, and then I have like a big old description of, of Bridgetown, which I won't read because that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I sort of describe, you know, the town and the uh, the surrounding area in very vague detail uh, with a big old poke that you should probably have a look at the South Barrow, because that's where I'm hoping everybody goes first. Okay. Um, I still, I, I, the that's sort of the, you know, the world introduction ish, uh, and then 
sort of for the players themselves, I think I, we need to have a discussion with the group to figure mm-hmm. out. And I, there's a potential that we're introducing a new, uh, a new player as well. Uh, Cindy met somebody and he's like, oh, I'd really like to play. So I'm like, okay, ask the group. If everybody's cool with it, we'll give them a tryout. Uh, and then it's like, like, what, what do you guys expect from, from play? And that kind of informs like, what do I prepare? How do I, how do I go mm-hmm. forward from here? Question number two. Are you also going to try and run those games using a custom system of your own design? Or are you going to look at 5e? Uh, I'm, I think with our online group, I'm going to do uh, fifth edition. Uh, just because it's familiar to people mm-hmm. uh it's it's a whole lot easier than trying to hey i'm developing a system and it's going to be changing from week to week and also we're going to be doing it online where i want things to be like you know, click a button do a thing yeah let's lean on some existing architecture for that and i'll do my homebrew system in person where i can say no 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 okay that doesn't work let's let's try a different way um, but i still have to run that past that group too and see if they're interested so you know, homebrew system might just be a thing that exists in an Excel spreadsheet and never goes anywhere. <laughs> Next I'm, question. I'm excited. Um, no, I guess I, I, I mean, I don't really, I don't want to peek behind the curtains too much. And this is funny because I'm sort of peeking behind the curtains with the, the creation of this world and stuff, but also re- remembering that I'm going to be a player, I want to uh, save a, a certain opportunity for discovery there. There should be an awful lot of that. I mean, one of the one of the sort of things because because you're starting out at a place where you grew up, um, like you you should be familiar with the surrounding area. Like there's good like here's a map of the stuff that you know like. You've you've walked across the bridge because that's something that kids would do, you know, in their teen years is they're like, hey, man, I want to go and see what's over the next hill. And then like, holy crap, it's scary over the next hill. I'm coming home again, you know, until at some point, I don't maybe hop on a boat and head down the river. I don't know. So do I get to be the pirate space cat alien that just showed up and has <laughs> nothing to do with this world? If you want to, sure. I'll uh, I'll give you all kinds of things to uh yeah, that that was such a strange concept, and I was so in love with it that I'm like, I can you shoehorn this in, man? Because I really think that it's awesome. You know what? I, I had all sorts of uh, ideas for where that could go, and maybe we'll we'll circle back to it one day. Um, that would be cool. Challenge of, of playing as adults, man, is just the the, the oh, consistency, yeah. right? Like, yeah, that style of campaign game just. Warrants gotta, a certain consistency. Yeah, you've got to. I think. I think for us, the best thing is going to be to to split it up into chunks, and then it's like, okay, well, this adventure is over, and if you'd like to continue using the same characters, great. And if not, then we'll find some other way. Start something different. So I assume you're not looking at uh, running virtual tabletop then. Um. So some some kind of something. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to try and. Uh, learn how to use foundry or if i'm just going to upload maps to roll 20 and say this is where you are because i don't i don't really want to do any uh 
fancy macro-y stuff where it's like, oh, look, you see lightning and here's weird lighting maps. It's here's, here's a picture of a, mm -hmm. of a mountain. That's what you're going to be looking at while we're, we're doing the traveling around and talking to people thing. Maybe I'll show you a picture of the person you're talking to, um, you know, and, oh, hey, you're in combat. Here's what the battle map looks like. That's, uh, that's my thought. Give us somewhere to, to roll dice together. We could probably do the whole thing, honestly, Discord and just rolling dice. But it's nice to have a, a common view of, of any kind of combat type counter. Mm -hmm. I think, anyway. Playing in this world certainly encourages pulling away from a lot of like the the really expansive 5e options if you're going to use 5e it would almost be interesting to try and just play this using srd stuff yeah uh there's definitely going to be an awful lot of custom monsters yeah and, that, and that's fine i'm just thinking from like character options right like you don't need I would, yeah, I would give no. this for the for the uh, the opening one. I'm going to be assigning pre-made characters, um, which reminds me, I need to write those down because I had an idea, and I think everyone is going to be equally upset, which will be funny for like three or four sessions. Then it'll be like, all right, you know, like carry on if you want, and if not, then just like make up another character, and it's fine. I think, though, that we'll probably, at least for the, the first little bit, while we're starting to explore the world, it'll be limited to uh, human half-elf. No real limits on classes, but uh, obviously, like, magic is illegal and also very, very socially taboo. So if you're going to play a wizard, you're a very weak fighter, <laughs> you know, while you're in public. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, moving on, we did have another table talk uh, topic that you brought up, which was the holiday themed one shots. Now, we touched on this briefly last week, two sessions ago. I was mentioning that I was considering running a Halloween one shot, but we really didn't get into any detail. And I think I'd asked if you'd done like seasonal one shots like this, and you mentioned maybe doing a Christmas one. So your, your question was good idea or abomination of nature why do you ask I, that well here's the thing is that i'm thinking like there's i was thinking about how much how many parallels there are between what we do with with role playing especially on the tabletop and tv sitcoms that that kind of thing right because it's a similar sort of thing where you have very much episodes and this episode does, even though it's a, it's maybe a part of the uh, the ongoing story, <clears throat> it's it's very episodic in nature, and there are there have been, in my experience, quite a few. Uh, this the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, at least in the first ten seasons or so, uh, comes to mind as something that's really successful. As here's a holiday themed thing that's maybe outside of the continuity, but still sort of within it. Um, you know, in the context of being a story within story. And I thought to myself, like, I was just, I was thinking it can be done well, right? We've seen it done well, and I'm absolutely certain it can be done badly. And I thought it might be interesting to sort of, uh, you know, workshop, how can it go wrong? Like what, 
What could you do in a holiday themed one shot that would just be bad for everyone involved or anyone involved, I guess? I thought it might be a funny thing. It might just be one of those topics where I ask a question. It's like, yeah, could go bad. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, I think it's going to depend on one sort of key thing. Are you running a one shot that is like an isolated one shot or are you doing a seasonal adventure with players and characters that are in an established campaign? I think um, both could work. Oh, I definitely think both could work, but it probably changes the what could go wrong. Um, there's a lot of overlap, like let's say between Halloween, since it's coming up, there's a lot of overlap between D&D &D normal shit and Halloween, right? <laughs> yeah. So like the last thing you would, you probably want to do is be in the middle of say a Curse of Strahd campaign and then throw the the haunted house from that module at them and call it the Halloween thing because it's just more of the same. Yeah. Although, you know what? Doing the Death House from Curse of Strahd in another campaign as a, a Halloween episode. But again, it would depend. Maybe, you know, you're just adding a little more gothic horror tone to something. But if you're already dealing with Monsters of the Week as part of your, your yeah. you know, your your MO for how you're playing the game anyway. I think just doing more of that and shifting the tones probably the mistake. Uh instead it's probably worth making your Halloween one shot more of a social adventure. The masquerade party gone wrong. Like Scooby Doo it up a little bit or something, but Yeah, Scooby Doo would be a really great way to do know? that. I was thinking too you could shift the tone a whole bunch like if you were going to do uh Halloween while you were doing Curse of Strahd, you would have to do, uh, like it's, uh, it's something similar, like where it's either it's the same characters out of the setting in a silly Halloween setting. Um, it would be really amusing actually to do Curse of Strahd, where all of the monsters have dressed up as silly monsters, mm -hmm. right? Where you've got zombies dressed up as pirates and and vampires dressed up as cowboys. Now. Curse of Strahd as a module has a perfect thing that I think I would latch on to, and that's the the dinner invite, right? The invitation that yeah. you receive from Strahd yeah. to actually come to, to Ravenloft and, and hang out. Like turning that into sort of the equivalent of like a a, a middle school or high school Halloween oh dance kind of thing. Oh my, like oh my, with that vibe, punch. But, but you take all of the the... The characters, the 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 sidekicks, the 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 strawed sort of juice, and force them into the uncomfortable position where they're having to entertain at this party or you know like enjoy themselves <laughs> at Strahd's command while you know doing something that is very much not let's go hit a monster until it dies. Yeah, and I think this is one of those things where. Like I've asked the question and halfway through asking the question, I've realized that the answer is it depends. Yeah. Because uh, it very much depends on your group, right? Like if you throw this at a group who's who's interested in ad-libbing, uh, in, in doing bits, in, in uh, like having little little comedy sort of 
interludes and figuring out one-liners and throwing out puns and improvising stuff, they'd probably eat it up and think it was hilarious. Mm -hmm. And that's the way you'd have to go. Like, you know, if you weren't running Curse of Strahd, then you can, you know, if you're going to do it as a one shot, like just completely isolated, yeah. like that's where you then take, take the idea of Curse of Strahd, turn it up to 11, make it yep. silly, like invite everybody to Dr. Acula's mansion, you know? <laughs> and then, oh. you know, instead oh. of playing Strahd, like, you know, or the, the vampire, like you, you, you lean into all the tropes at the same time then. I got it. The worst I gotta accents, the, the. Have you seen uh, the movie with Ed Bagley Jr. and uh, The Fly? He was the doctor in uh, Jurassic Park as well. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Transylvania 65000. I don't Gina think Davis I've ever was seen in it too. Oh, man, you have got to go and watch it. It is so funny. Ed Bagley Jr. has this, this, little, this little thing in the middle. He's the, it's a newspaper thing. They're sending them off to some castle in Transylvania, and uh, Jeff Goldblum is like a serious reporter, and he's like, "I can't believe you're sending me on this assignment." And Ed Begley Jr. is like the editor's son, right? And he's a complete and utter buffoon. And <laughs> the editor's sending them because somebody thinks they've seen Frankenstein, you know, as the monster, right? Using the the name of of the anyway. Uh, and, and Ed Bakley Jr. is sort of like flipping through the sports pages of the funnies or whatever. And he says, Frankenstein, I didn't I didn't think he was still alive. And Jeff Goldblum has the perfect comeback, which is still alive. He was a book. He was a movie. He was never alive, you schmohawk. <laughs> and I mean, the way that he delivers it has just made me I, I still just thinking back on it makes me giggle. Schmohawk. Um, yep. And Gina Davis has uh, has a uh, a neckline that goes down to her navel. You've got to watch the movie. Whatever happened to Gina Davis? I mean, I know she got old. Everybody got old, but Damn, we got old. Like, did, look, there's gray in my beard. That's why I don't have a beard. <sighs> sure, that's why you don't have a beard. Oh, and I can't grow a good beard. But, yeah, well, yeah. I can't really grow a good beard either. It looks good on TV, but it's it's not real good in real life. <laughs> it's, it's mostly just me going, I'm too lazy to shave. My chin is way too sharp. <sighs> My jawline is just too chiseled. So how do you think one of those could go wrong? What would you try to avoid if you were offering um, me advice? Um, I, the first thing is, again, it depends on your group. Like you have to, you have to tailor it for your group. Like if, mm -hmm. if you're playing with a, a bunch of crunchy players, then you basically do a, a haunted house episode where every room is just full of zombies or you do like a zombie survival, uh, similar to the horrible, horrible thing that I threw at you guys in Curse of Strahd, where it's just like, you know, you, you wake up in the middle of the night at the inn you're staying at and the whole town is zombies. And, and you've got to try and figure out how to survive the night. Like survival horror works uh, good for that. If you're doing something with a, a group that really likes to do the, the social role play thing, then I, 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 Scooby-Doo is an excellent suggestion. Some kind of, of murder mystery or, or one of those... Um, one of those Columbo things where, you know, the rich dude invites everybody to the island for, hey, it's a party and it's a murder mystery. And then they drop dead. 
And now you have to actually solve a real mystery. So here's where I think maybe we're, we're not on the same page. Would you not use a one shot as an opportunity like this? Cause it is literally, it's going to be one session, one night, and then you're going to go back to playing the way you always play. If you had a group that was crunchy, would you not use this as the one time where you try to do something different? And if they like it, then you can can That's can bring not... some of that back versus if, you know, if they don't like it, then it's it's you know, it's an yeah, experiment it and, and whatever, you go mm-hmm. back to doing what you're doing. Cause I would think the mistake would be just doing, you know more of the same. More of the same. I, I think like there's two ways you can go about it, I think, is that you can take what you're normally doing, you know, make it undead and spooky and turn it up to 11 or 11 and a half. Um, or, I mean, that's a good idea. I never I never actually thought about it like that. But if you're going to do something that's different, you could try and make it different. Um, that could definitely go horribly wrong. Oh, it could. You know, if you're trying to do role playing with people who do things like my character walks up to the bartender and asks about any rumors and, and asking them to like, all right, well, let's, let's speak in character and, and like actually talk to the bartender, you know, and, and do a funny voice or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. I don't think that there's a wrong way to do it other than in such a way that it makes everyone around the table uncomfortable with it. (sighs) It's one of those questions I think that the the answers are simple or just not easy to execute. Guess what? Chicken butt? There you go. I heard from Ian. Awesome. He uh, sent us some pod bag material. You've got mail. All right, I got to read this whole thing because I think he was trying to make me feel better. Now, I warned him that the episode that we were releasing today, um, that we talked about him a little bit, you know, affectionately. Because we'd mentioned it in a previous episode and he, he liked it. Like, he, he enjoyed it. He's, he's, he's happy to, to play the part. But I think he felt bad for me talking about being jealous about him in Greece because he said, Apologies for being away so long. It was a long haul to not have my questions answered by sage experts such as yourself. If it's any consolation. I have never been so graciously mischaracterized. (laughs) (laughs) If it's any consolation, I cannot recommend Greece as a travel destination. So Ian's responsible for the hot takes here. It's basically saying, fuck you, Greece. They don't smash plates anymore. They can't afford it. <laughs> Going against the grain of most travel writers, the food was bad. There was too many people and the cost to get there just didn't add up afterwards. I feel fortunate that I can travel this way, but wouldn't do Greece again, to be honest. Now, he's probably just saying, oh, you were jealous that I was in Greece. And you know, well, you know what? You're probably glad you weren't there, Shane. So this question is going to be uh, directed mostly at you, oh. because I think you've done this, and I really haven't. Uh, titled Digital Nomads. 
Uh, for the better part of 2022, uh, I have lived out of my backpack and worked with a laptop on any table I could find. Desks, kitchen tables, hotel lobbies, etc. I enjoyed it quite a bit, but did find it tiring after a while. I was, uh, it was hard to not have a place to call home for that long of a period of time. Have you done this type of work-life balance before? And if so, how did it go for you? If not, how do you think you would fare? Now, you, you didn't do this specifically where you were globetrotting, but you worked out west for a while where you were doing the back and forth thing a lot. I did. Um, and it was, so what I was doing is I started off, it was 15 days at work and then 13 days off, which sounds freaking awesome until you realize that you're doing 15 straight 12-hour days. Um, which is strangely enough, um, from the, uh, coming from the Quinty area, having, having worked in the Quinty area up until that point, which I mean, I worked there for 20 years, give or take, um, the amount of work that I was expected to do in 12 hours was less than what I was expected to do in eight at most of the jobs I've had in that area. So the work actually wasn't all that terrible. Uh, I will say that the being away from home thing is really hard. And it, it sounds it sounds super soft when you when you say it like, oh, man, like being away from my wife, being away from my home mm -hmm. was the hardest part of that. Um, and people who do that kind of work get paid a lot. Um, and it's like when you're looking at it from the outside, you think, well, why are they getting paid so much? The reason they're getting paid so much is because it's freaking hard. You are uprooted from everything that you find familiar. Um, you, your support network is just gone, right? Like um, it's, it's fairly common for, uh, for men in our society not to have much of a support network anyway. Very, very few men reach out to their buddies and go, man, I'm just feeling a little bit sad today. Um, but but there is still like there's still something right and when you're when you're away from all of that suddenly you realize like I'm I'm literally on my own surrounded by like you know five thousand people in a work camp somewhere but you probably like I had almost nothing in common with everyone I was working with uh, I I didn't I didn't do cocaine I wasn't interested in mess I didn't play poker for my whole paycheck. Um, uh, I, I, I like, it was, there were a lot of really good people that I worked with, like, don't get me wrong, but there were some people that it's like, ho holy cow, like your, your, your life is so incredibly different from mine. Like I, I met some people who do that I and mean, have done that like their whole careers. And there were some really weird things like, like what kind of car do you have? I don't own a car. When I'm not in camp. I rent a car. It's cheaper. I don't have to pay maintenance. I don't have to worry about where to keep it. I rented for two weeks and then I just turned it in and then I don't have a car for two weeks. Um, so yeah, I, all in all, I would recommend it as a short-term experience. I'm, I'm not certain that I could do it for, so, I mean, the money was good. Don't get me wrong. It was great. So I'm I, not sure it was worth it. I don't think I ever asked or we've never really talked about it, but what were like, aside from the work, what was the after hours experience like? Like, did you, did you have a small apartment while you were there or did you have, it was different like people a barracks had, type thing situation. Like, um, everyone, everyone had their own sleeping space. 
Um, that the world has moved to the point, I don't know if it's gone back to the old way now, but it used to be that like, there were, there were lots of places where like you were bunking up with six guys and you were smelling farts all night. Uh, it, it moved on from that because the competition for labor got, uh, got sort of stiff enough that they realized like we, we have to provide a reasonable living experience. So while I was there and I was there for sort of the commissioning portion of a project, which means that they were like, you know, double checking that all the pumps were installed and the seals were tightened up and that, you know, like doing electrical traces and stuff like that. Uh, so people who were going to be operating the place weren't there yet. So I got to stay in what the operators were going to stay in, which was basically like a one bedroom apartment, right? Like mm -hmm. you got a queen size bed, you've got like a TV, they have, they had satellite TV available for you. There was some Wi-Fi. It was really terrible and internet that was spotty at best uh the food was fantastic um when i started there uh it was every other sunday was either a roast turkey dinner or prime rib so that was awesome um the nightlife was almost non-existent because uh, mm -hmm. you're up at at five o'clock in the morning to get ready to go to work for six uh and then you're working from six until six, and then you, you catch a bus back to camp. You grab something to eat. You maybe watch TV for an hour. Like there was a, a common room kind of thing, and they had a pool table and like a foosball table and and that kind of thing. And there was a you could get together and do a thing. Uh, about once every shift, we would have like a friendly poker game. Uh, don't tell anybody. We we did actually gamble for real money. It was a it was a twenty dollar buy in. Uh, and you were not allowed to rebuy. So when you were out of money, you're done. Um, and round about midnight, if we were still playing, we would call it. Uh, but most other nights at like nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, you're falling asleep. So yeah. night, nightlife is almost zero. So did you have anything that you would do sort of after work to, to make it feel like, I, I mean, I assume you had your laptop, you were, Probably playing EverQuest all night, so probably didn't. Make I was much playing of a WoW at the time. Really, I was, and I, I mean, I never really got into it because I didn't have very many people to play with. I was on a different, like, I was literally, like, off enough from the West Coast people and off enough from the East Coast people that it's like I got nobody to play with. Um, I kind of gave up video games because you couldn't, like, I didn't want. I sat in front of a computer all day. Like, what I was doing while I was there was scheduling. So I was mm -hmm. literally like manipulating excel spreadsheets all day when i got back to camp it's like i don't really like my brain is fried man i'm exhausted i i want to like i turned on a baseball game and I'm like eh, somebody's playing baseball i don't care who it is i don't really whatever the red guys and the blue guys and i'm just gonna doze off and eventually wake up enough to turn off the tv um i i did have um one of the things that i did was i called home every day uh, and that was that was important every day except the first day. Uh, I sent I sent Cindy a text the first day I got there, and I'm like, I can't I can't call you. I literally will not be able to not cry because it was like it was emotionally really really tough to be away from home. Mm -hmm. uh, the other the other interesting thing though is that like when I got out there, it was the first time that uh, Cindy and I had been apart from each other for more than 24 hours since we were married, and we had been married at, for 10 years at that point. So yeah, it was, it was an adjustment. Let's just yeah. say if you're young and single, go do it. It's an experience. You will learn things. Uh, you will learn self-confidence and self-reliance. Uh, you will learn what you're capable of and 
maybe see, you know, some of what your limits are. Um, but if you're an old married fart, don't do it. It's too hard. I've often thought that there would be a way I could do it. Um, you know, I think we've probably talked about it when we were talking about the housing market and buying houses and how much that terrifies me right now. But uh, I thought, like, if I made enough money that I could just buy a really, really nice RV and Tanya didn't have to work, that, like, we could bounce around and enjoy things where I'm taking home with me. You know, one of the things with with work is I just I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm an old, fat, out of shape dude. So I can't do what Ian would do, where it's just sit at a, a a dining room table on a hardwood chair for six, eight hours with my legs crossed or or hunched, you know, sitting even on the couch without like a table and just kind of hunched over a laptop or something. I could never do that. I would need to have some sort of even semi-portable environment that was mine that I could sit at with a, with a decent chair. Oh. Um, I think the closest thing I got to, to doing this, like in practicality, you'll probably remember back in the stream days when I was bouncing around opening up call centers in other cities, like I'd fly out to Glace Bay, Nova Scotia and stay there for four or six weeks. And, um, you know, I did it's, that a couple a of times for, you know, I mean, it only lasted, you know, a month, month and a half. And then I'd go back six months later. Like it was not a, not a regular thing. And I, you know, we'd get a hotel room was basically what we'd have. And, uh, um, it'd just be me hanging out in a hotel room after hours. I was playing a lot of video games. Wait, there's not much else to do unless you want to go out to the bar and try and get robbed. Yeah. Which is, you know, not me at all. No, and it, it, it's a similar thing, like just that being away from home for some amount of time. Like I, the, the people who do traveling for a living, that's yeah, off. It's hard. Mm -hmm. I, if you have a heart. I mean, if you're a heartless bastard, it's probably pretty easy. So let this be a warning to you. If you find it pretty easy, you're probably a heartless bastard. Are you a heartless bastard, Ian? <laughs> now, to, to be fair, like... He's been doing it because he's been finding new relationships and and well, you know, he's flying he's to California and well. stuff like that, and then he'll go travel. Yeah, he's 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 a special cookie. I mean, if you can if you can make friends in new places, it's awesome to do for sure. But I mean, that's always been really hard for me. So yeah, but you got to talk to people. Ew, gross. Well, Ian, it is uh, it's good to have you back. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I've you been to Greece once. didn't have such a great time in Greece, apparently, but uh, um, hopefully you found some joy in it, but it's good to have you back. I've been to Greece once, too, so of the three of us, only you haven't been. I've never been to, to Europe, really. Like, uh, outside of, of Canada and the U.S., I've, I've been to Cuba. I've never been to Cuba. I've uh, to be to be honest, though, when I was in Greece, I was in diapers, so it's not like I can really say much about it other than I was there. There's pictures. I have proof. Well, uh, if you'd like to submit your pod bag questions, hit us up, podbag at nerdingundertheinfluence.com. Uh, that'll allow us to give you in a break or 
have the show not completely fall apart when he slacks off for a couple of weeks. Uh, before we wrap things up, though, let's get into your parting gift. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. So over the last little bit, I've been diving into some web comics that I haven't read since the stream days. Uh, some of them are still going. Some of them have disappeared. Uh, but one of the ones that I think deserves some attention, or at very least a, a, some kind of a, a shout out or some praise, is uh, called Girl Genius. Um, it is a storyline of more than 20 years now, I think. Uh, there are actual hard copy books that you can buy. You should. Uh, Phil Foglio is the artist. Uh, and I believe that he works on it with his wife. I'd, I never really pay attention to those kind of things. I just read the webcomic. It's super awesome. Uh, lots of fun. Uh, very interesting. It's a steampunk-themed uh, kind of a deal. You haven't seen it? Check it out. It's I have not read. seen it. You should see it. It's good. There you have it. Girl Genius, the webcomic. Well, it's been good talking to you, man. Do you have anything For else? For sure. Um, I need a refill on my drink is what I need. Well, let's uh, take a break, grab a new drink. We'll do this all over again. Sounds like a plan.